Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Our Old Testament lesson comes from Numbers chapter 11, verses 24 through 30. Hear these words. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the clouds and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad. And the spirit rested on them, and they were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And the young, the young man told Moses, Elda and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, one of his chosen men, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. From Acts chapter 2, we read the story of Pentecost. Hear these words of Scripture. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pephilia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Others sneered and said they are filled filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as some of you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show portents in heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. From the Gospel of John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures and let us say together, Amen. Let us, let us pray. Holy God, it is with gratitude in our hearts that we gather for worship today. We give thanks for the opportunity to be together on this sacred occasion as we remember and celebrate the occasion of Pentecost. We ask that that same spirit that surprised those disciples so many centuries ago, that that same spirit would be among us here and now. God, as we've read the scriptures, as we've shared in song and fellowship, as we've made our gifts, as we come now to hear again your word, may you speak to us, shaping and reshaping our hearts and wills according to your love. These things in Christ's name we pray. Pray. Amen. How many stars are enough? How many stars are enough? I have been watching much of the NBA playoffs. I try to stay away from sports illustrations, but I've got a good one today, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> Following their game seven loss to the Boston Celtics last week, or literally two weeks ago now, 76ers center Joel Embiid was quoted in the press conference saying, me and James, James Harden, can't win alone. Me and James can't win alone. Now, of course, there are other people on their team. That seems to be a little bit of a criticism of his teammates, maybe a little bit of a criticism of the management who put together the team, but the point is understood. How many more stars do we need to win these games? How many stars are enough? One, two, three. We know that a team needs key players to build around, but stars alone will not win a championship. If you're following along, you know the Miami Heat have made a surprising run in the playoffs. They are an eight seed, the weakest team in their side of the bracket, the most least likely to succeed. Yet they found success with great team play and excellent coaching. It's a question in sports or in other circles. How many stars do we need to succeed? Today we read from Numbers 11 where Moses needs help. We have come to the story where Moses is in a point of professional and personal crisis as the leader of the Hebrew people. You know the story well. They've enjoyed the exodus out of slavery, but on their journey to the promised land, they now find themselves wandering in the wilderness. The faith and the patience of the Hebrew people, as well as Moses' faith and patience, are being tested. In Numbers 10 and 11, they all complain against one another. They complain against God and Moses for bringing them out into this God-forsaken land. Can't we just go back to Egypt where life was easier? Moses then complains to God about these people and all their complaining. And then God gets angry with all of them. Finally, Moses erupts, speaking to the Lord, saying, Why have you treated me so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sign? Why do you burden me with all of these people? Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? Where am I going to get meat for all of these people? They come weeping to me, saying, Give us something to eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. It's a wonderful and honest speech from Moses, prayer from Moses, directed to God. Imagine speaking to God that way. A little reminder that we can be honest with God, even with our greatest frustrations. For my money, it's hard to find a more relatable text in all of Scripture. 
Moses has come to the end of his rope. He's used all of his professional and spiritual expertise. He's tried to barter with the people. He's prayed to God. And he's finally cried out, I can't do this by myself. I need help. Maybe we too have cried out in a similar way in our careers or in our family and parenting and home life. Maybe the efforts we're involved in in a volunteer way. Maybe our work here at the church. We can hear Moses cry in our own voice. We can join him in saying, saying, it's all too much. My family has been in a little bit of that season ourselves as we've welcomed a new baby into our lives, we've also realized how dependent we are on others outside of our household. We have received immense help from our parents, uh, children's grandparents, from friends and church members, from you all, from the staff, extra rides to ball games and dance practice, people coming by to check on us to rock the baby so Jill or I could take a nap. We are learning again in the best way that we cannot do it all by ourselves. God responds to Moses with great wisdom, care, and support. God tells Moses, if that's the case, then gather up 70 people, 70 elders from camp, and bring them out here to me for a meeting. And then one of my favorite lines in Scripture we read today, verse 25, the Lord came down to Moses and the 70 people with cloud, and he spoke to them, and he took some of the spirit that was on Moses, and he put it on the 70 elders. The spirit rested on them, and they prophesied. Now, up to this point in the biblical story, it's really been only Moses who has this uniquely spiritual relationship with God. He conveys God's needs and concerns. He conveys the people's complaints back to God. But now the the circle has been widened. Moses alone is not enough. And so God consecrates 70 others to join him in this spirit work. And my favorite phrase in there is this one. God took some of the spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70 elders. Two men in particular, Eldad and Medad, draw attention for their spirit-inspired prophecy. They began speaking and teaching as Moses did. Some young men from camp run to tell Moses, you won't believe this, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Now Joshua, who is Moses' right-hand man, he steps up and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we can't have Eldad and Medad. Who are Eldad and Medad? We can't have them teaching and preaching. Stop them. You may have seen this week in the news, this story makes its way around every few months, every few years. The concerns around the Colorado River on the western part of our nation. This week, seven states agreed a new agreement to limit their use of the river. It supplies water to some 40 million people along the river, but it's being overused and it's running lower and lower. This has to do with an increase in population as well as changes in climate. This year, that area was blessed with an unexpectedly wet winter, so extra rainfall as well as snow melt are buying them a little more time. Experts agree this new agreement to to use less water from the river, it's helpful, it buys a few more years, but there will need to be even greater efforts made in the years to come to conserve the water so that it can be shared among many different communities. The water in the river, this is obvious, is limited and is therefore scarce. Limited and scarce. 
There are many ways in which we can relate to that in our own life. The feelings of scarcity are real. There is only so much to go around, and so we must conserve and cooperate with one another. Clean water and clean air, even food in some parts of the world, limited and scarce. The Hebrew people knew well the experiences of scarcity and limitation. They lived under slavery in Egypt. They're now wandering in the wilderness, waiting every day on God to provide them again with their food. They know what it's like to live a day at a time. And so you can sense in Joshua a very sincere concern, maybe a little jealousy about the work of the Spirit expanding and being on full display. Essentially what Joshua says is this is too much. This is too much Spirit. This is too much God. There are too many people speaking, too many voices. This is not normal. This is not good. Shut it down. Moses says, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people people were blessed and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses needs all the help he can get, and so he welcomes this work of the spirit even among Eldad and Medad. This is a blessing from God. Even more would be better, Moses says. I want to return again to that favorite verse of mine, verse 25. God took some of the spirit that was on Moses and then put it on the 70 elders. There's something about God's spirit that is measurable and shareable, but it's not limited. Measurable and shareable, but not limited. Now, measurable and shareable make sense. We can think of other elements where the same would be true. Air, measurable and shareable. Water, measurable and shareable. Food, as we used the illustration earlier, measurable and shareable. But all of those are limited in some way. They eventually run out. God's Spirit is not limited, but instead compounds and multiplies. And so the visual that Scripture offers us is not air or water, but is fire. Fire. Fire is measurable and shareable. There are big fires and small fires. There are little flames and big flames. One small fire can be used to make another fire. But unlike water and air, fire is not reduced in its sharing. It only compounds and grows. This, of course, is why we share in those beautiful candlelight services on Christmas Eve. We take the one light from the Christ candle and we share it among the congregation until everyone has a piece of that flame for themselves. The Holy Spirit is God's fire. fire, Given to leaders, given to the community of faith, shared among those who worship, compounding and multiplying. Measured and shared but never running out. There's always more to be had, more people who can receive it, new people being lifted up. As humble as, and as gifted as Moses may be, he alone is not enough. And so God's Spirit does some of God's best work, inviting, inviting others in fold. Now, it's clear today, reading that Numbers story and then reading that Acts story, that, that the activity in Numbers is a precursor to what would come in Pentecost. In Numbers, it's 70 elders who receive a little bit of God's Spirit through Moses. In Acts, it's the whole new community. 
as you've read, the, the power of God, the Spirit of God, comes down to this diverse community, empowering them to speak in the languages native to each so that others around them might hear. The multiplying Spirit of God continues here in a, a wild and uncontrollable fashion. They're so startled, they start to conclude, these people must be drunk, right? There's no way they would do this on their own. And so Peter stands up and preaches from Joel saying, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all your flesh, your sons, your daughters, your young men, your old men, your slaves, men and women. That should make your spirit fingers tingle. Just imagine how God has been a work across the scriptures. In the beginning of the Bible, God identifies certain patriarchs like Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses. God begins to embrace others like the 70 elders or the Levitical priesthood. There are prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah or Amos or Micah. Of course, we have the wonderful story of Mary who is blessed with the Holy Spirit as she carries Jesus. And now, after Christ's resurrection... Following his ascension, the Spirit has come to come down and spread among all people, sons and daughters, young and old, slaves, men and women. No one is excluded. Now, of course, there have been Joshua's over the years who have resisted this work of the Spirit. Unfortunately, the Christian tradition has often been a part of that work of, of holding people back, holding people down. We think of our own history, the history of slavery, the history of minority movements. The Methodist Church is a part of that scarred past. The same could be said for women. It took a few hundred years, now thousands of years, for us to fully recognize and support women in ministry. 1956 in the Methodist Church. We're still coming to grips with this new and peculiar thing that God has done in and through the power of of the Holy Spirit. Today we remember that Pentecost is the center of this new Jesus Church revolution. And in this new revolution, there is no one who is excluded from the work of God. Anyone and everyone is invited to receive God's blessing. And in that way, Pentecost creates new realities and new possibilities, new people leading in ministry, new people sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to new communities in new and different languages. There are no boundaries on the work of God and where it might go. Pentecost is God's generosity, God's goodness, grace, multiplying over and over again to the most unlikely people and places. If you, like Moses, feel exhausted or inadequate for this moment, if you, like Moses, can cry out to God, I can't do it by myself, then I can assure you that God has called and gifted other people to come alongside you, to support you, and to care for you, and to help you. Maybe friends or family members, maybe counselors or pastors, but you are not meant to carry the full burden of your life alone. If you, like Joshua, sometimes worry that there's just a little too much God activity going on out there, maybe the Spirit of God is miserable and share, measurable, not miserable, measurable and shareable, 
but you're worried that there's not enough for everyone. I can assure you that there is. Like the candles we pass the flame with on Christmas Eve, so it is with the Spirit of God. There is no limit to the work of God in this world. Certainly we hope that includes our church, but it includes every other church in our community, in our state, in our nation, around the globe. The Spirit of God is always doing surprising and new and different things, and that's okay. Perhaps you're neither Moses or Joshua, but you're, but you're sitting comfortably on the edge of church, attending some somewhat involved, and perhaps you're wondering, have I been called? Calling is a word that we sometimes use for the professional ministry, for the pastors, but I hope you see in the Pentecost story that calling applies to everyone. Whoever you are, whatever your involvement or your history of church is, I can promise you that God's Spirit is near to you, young or old, male or female. All of us here today and those who are not with us have been gifted the Holy Spirit so that we might join in the work of God in the world. If you are Moses and needing help, if you are Joshua and concerned about the world and the church, if you're not quite sure where you fit in, Pentecost is for all of us because the Spirit is near to us, caring for us, challenging us, calling us forward. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for the work of Pentecost, for the wild and uncontrollable work of the Spirit in our world. God, we pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the work of the Spirit among us, around us, and within us, and that we might have the courage to follow the Spirit's calling. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.